Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen, amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Good to be in his house today. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time with us today, we want to thank you for visiting with us. If it's your first time online, don't turn the channel off. It's only going to get better. But I hope I get an opportunity to meet you and greet with you after church. I know my wife did because she's at the door. But I'll be sure would like the opportunity to say hi to you after church if you have some time to do that. We're in a series called This Is Us. And we have really enjoyed some neat testimonies from some people in our church about some things that God has done in their life. You know, not, not, not that the church is taking credit for that, but in and through Warehouse Church. And we're so thankful for that. And I've asked my friend, Richard Pascuzzi, who also serves on our board. Actually, he kind of asked me one time and said, I'd like to share something sometime when you're ready the next time we talk about offering. And he didn't know that he volunteered in that conversation as much as I thought he was. But I asked him to come and share some words with us today uh, in testimony of what God's done in his life uh, in this area he's going to talk to you about. So, hey, welcome Richard to the stage. Would you do that? Thank you. Good morning, church. It it looks a lot different from up here looking down than the other way, I have to tell you. This won't work without these on. Ed, uh, Ed asked me to briefly share about the journey God's taken me on concerning giving, and it's, it's been a very interesting and long journey for me. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Uh, I had no examples about giving to God or giving to the church. In fact, I didn't even know what the word tithing meant until I heard my first message, probably in my mid to late 20s. And after hearing the message, I was really conflicted. I struggled with the thought about giving my hard-earned money to the church when I had bills to pay. Why would God ask me to do that? that? That didn't make sense to me. And needless to say, I didn't start tithing right after that message. In fact, I really didn't want to hear about tithing anymore. It made me angry, and, and I know now that anger was really covering up the guilt I was feeling for my disobedience of what God wanted me to do. And it took several years and, and a lot of messages before I finally started giving. And even then, I kind of started with a small amount. I think it was another way to alleviate that guilt I had for ignoring God's plan. But it was all part of my journey. I understood tithing in my head, but it hadn't penetrated my heart. I was stuck on giving my money to the church instead of focusing on giving it back to God. You know, there's a reason that tithing is mentioned in the Bible, and it's not because God needs our money. It's so we can enjoy the blessing of obeying God, to feel how much fun it is to give to the Lord and to watch Him work. And several years ago, Kathy and I read this book by Randy Alcorn called Giving is a Good Life, and it really connected all the dots for me. It took all this information I had in my head and had been hearing about, and it penetrated my heart. And I realized that I wasn't giving to the church or to a charity. I was giving back to God. And I was only giving part of what he had given me. With the help of this book, God showed me that like you invest in 
real estate or stocks or bonds or whatever to get a return on your investment, you can invest in his kingdom and get an eternal return on your investment. When I give now, I trust God is using the gift for his kingdom. I may not have any idea how it's impacting people now, but I know I'll get to see that when I get to heaven. God's opened my heart to the blessings of giving. Knowing I'm obeying God has given me the freedom from the struggles I used to have when it came to giving. There's no secret to giving with a happy heart. It's simple. It starts with obedience. And it hopefully moves to joy as you see how God works in your life when you obey him. So it's kind of been a tough journey, long journey, but I, I look back with a smile on my face. It's a very worthwhile journey for me. So if you're struggling with giving, and my guess is there's probably a lot of people in here who might be, I recommend this book, Giving is a Good Life. Thank you. Thank you, Dutch. I appreciate that. I have a free copy of that if anybody wants this after church. You've got to come up and give me a big hug, okay? And I'll give you this book if you like that. Hey, I want to invite your attention to the book of Luke, uh, chapter number 17. And I am going to talk about giving a little bit today, but I need some big amens. There was a lot of people in this room. There were, were at a wedding last night and didn't get home until midnight. So we need to keep them awake, okay? So when I'm talking about some of these things, even if you're not even sure if you agree with it, just say amen just to keep somebody around you awake, okay? But in all seriousness, I'm not really going to hit, you know, for years and years and years and years, uh, Kim and I have really have had the greatest privilege of my life is not only being married to my sweet wife, but also that we get to serve the Lord together in our church. Yesterday, uh, it was a special kind of an anniversary for us, not, not just our wedding anniversary, which comes later this month, but um, seven years ago yesterday was our first day in this church. And we're so thankful that God brought us here. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I should applaud you for putting up with me for seven years instead of you applauding me. I do appreciate that, though, seriously. And, and what God has done in, in our church has just been a miracle. It really has. And, and, and any credit that we could distribute because of the Lord's work in this church all goes to him. It really does. Uh, I remember during the beginning of all the COVID stuff, and we were all like wondering how things were going to happen. And churches were closing, and and. The whole, and the whole world closed down, really, for seven, eight weeks, but uh, even longer than that for many ministries. And, you know, we, we were having conversations about, hey, you know, we may need to get jobs, we may need to do this, we may need to do that, and do whatever we got to do, because we really believe that the calling of this church isn't limited by our resources. We need to trust God. And God did some things through people's generosity. God did some things with uh, just unforeseen blessings that came to our church and not only because of that time that we all went through, and it was a personal time, and it was a tragic time for many, many people too. Uh, we understand that, and we, and we respect that. But it also was a time that really, I got to tell you, the last year, uh, I talked to our church about moving. If you remember this, you may have been in this business meeting a few years ago. We've got to get to a point where we move from thrive, or I mean, we move from survive to thrive. Because a lot of our conversations were based on surviving. Hey, we need to get our offering up to this point just to meet our, bill, meet our bills. And we have to do that just to get to this level. And it was all about survival. Well, now God is doing some things. And we're able to do so much more uh, in, in, this, in this area, in this region, across the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the generosity 
of the people of Warehouse Church, and I applaud you for that. So if, if you think this morning this is going to be, oh no, pastor's going to beat me up about giving. Let me tell you some things about giving first and foremost. I don't know what you give because that's between you and the Lord. Right? I don't say, well, let me check Dave Roberts today. I just want to make sure he's got this all together today. Everything gets taken care of in our business office. You receive statements at the end of the year for your tax reasons. All those things happen, but that's not what I mess with. My, I, what I want, I want to be in the business of inspiring people and, and coaching people and encouraging people to do what Richard said happened in his life, where I could give you a testimony of what's happened in my life. So I, don't, I want you to understand today, today's message is not a message focused on anybody that is or isn't or encouraging anybody to do more. It's a, this may be a total different way that you've heard about giving before, and I hope you're encouraged by it because the, what I want to talk to you today is, is about developing an attitude of gratitude. Developing an attitude of gratitude. Let me read this passage for you out of uh, Luke chapter 17, verse number 11. Now it happened... As he, and I love that it's capitalized in my Bible. I grew, uh, when I grew up at church, my Sunday school teacher, how many of you went to Sunday school when you were a kid? Okay, come on now. A little shout out to old school church. Uh, my Sunday school taught me, the teacher taught me, when you write the name of Jesus, whether it's his name, God's name, or a pronoun, you capitalize that word. Right, Miss Pam? You capitalize the pronoun when it comes to the name of God or the name of Jesus. And I love that I was taught that, and I love that the, the, the Bible that I'm reading from today has that. It says, now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the middle of Samaria, who were the enemies of the Jews, which is significant in this passage. He went through the middle of Samaria and Galilee, and then as he entered a certain village, there met him... Ten men who were lepers. Now, leprosy is an interesting thing in the Bible. There's many things in the Bible that are types. When I say types, I mean this. God uses earthly stories, like in, uh, when Jesus gave all the stories that he gave on the earth, he uses those parables with earthly stories at a heavenly application. And there's many times in Scripture that lepers is referred to literally. There were people with leprosy, like there were here. But there's also times where leprosy is a type or a symbolism of sin or sinners, okay? But this here is a literal uh, story here. Jesus met 10 guys who had lepers who stood afar off, and they had to stand afar off because they weren't allowed to get close to people or they could get taken out of town and stoned. And not stoned this way, they'd get stones chucked at them and killed, okay? Just making sure you're awake, all right. They lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master which is a really good way to get Jesus' attention in a very positive way, okay? Not like, what's up, yo? You know, and I'm, and I'm saying that seriously because you, the disrespect that we encounter in our lives every single day, you know, and these guys had a high, high level of respect when they addressed the creator of the universe, God's son, Jesus Christ. They said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And that's what they did. See, when Jesus would heal somebody, part of that responsibility of those that got healed, they would be healed and then they would have to go to the priest and give an offering or go through some kind of a cleansing ritual of some kind. And Jesus said, you go to the priest. So what he was saying was, I'm healing you. Now go and do what you're supposed to do after you get healed, right? And so it was, they went, they were cleansed. These 10 guys said to Jesus, we need to be healed of leprosy. And Jesus said, you got it. Now go see the priests and do what you got to do. And they walked away and they realized they were cleansed is what happened here. 
And then the Bible says, and one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face and his feet and gave thanks. And he was also a Samaritan, an enemy of the Jews. They didn't like each other at all. High levels of racism, high levels of hatred. Honestly, when we look at all the turmoil that takes place in the Mideast today, it didn't happen in the last five years or 10 years or in 1940, whatever, when, when Israel declared itself an independent nation. or it, This goes all, I mean, all the way back as far as Jacob and Esau. That's how far this conflict goes. But the Samaritans and the Jewish folks, they did not like each other. And the only person out of those 10 that, came, that, that had any gratitude towards Jesus was somebody that was supposed to be a, a, a sworn enemy of Jesus. And the Bible says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down, on his face, fell down on his face at his feet, gave him, Jesus, thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were you not, were not, were you not one of the 10 that were cleansed? But where, where are the other guys at? Like, I got you here. I, I healed 10 people. And are you like the union rep of the other guys or what's going on here, right? And he says, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God and accept, accept this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You know, we, uh, I think we all understand how significant having an attitude of gratitude is, right? Uh, an attitude of gratitude, if you want to know what the polar opposite of the attitude of gratitude is, is being somebody that has a victim mentality. Uh, thing, you know, an attitude of gratitude finds a way to be thankful about everything, Right? Uh, even when, when things are tough. And, you know, we always have those conversations. You know, I, I talk to my dad. My, I talk to my kids, you know, about how things were really, really different. When, and you know you're getting old when you talk to your kids about how things were really different 30, 40, 50 years ago. I had actually said that to one of my girls. that We were talking about something. And it was probably my granddaughter, Logan. And I said, yeah, honey, 50 years ago. And I couldn't believe that. I, I, as soon as that number left my mouth that I remembered something 50 years ago, like my gut hurt. I'm like, I'm talking about things that happened 50 years ago that are in history books that, I'm, that I was alive for. Like, you're old, you know? You, you, you wanna know if you're old? Here's a good old test for you. You know that you're old when you wake up in the morning and get out of bed and you're sore from sleeping. <laughs> you're old, it's just done, okay? Just forget about it. If you need to get up at four in the morning, take some Advil so that doesn't happen. Do whatever you have to do. No, but that, it's, it's just reality, right? And sometimes the numbers will come out. Of, yeah, I know, I've known that person. I introduced one of my buddies that came and spoke for us this year. Yeah, we've been friends for 40 years. I'm like, 40 years? I, mean, I remember my dad turned 40 and I thought he was old. You know, So some of these numbers will come out of your mouth. But it's interesting how you hear people that grew up generations before us, especially the generation which are very few left out of anymore, uh, the World War II generation. It was Tom Brokaw wrote a book called The Greatest Generation. Sacrificed everything, sacrificed their jobs, volunteered to serve. It was, it was a glorious, glorious time in our country. And there was something that was in that generation that I think has lessened with every generation that's followed them. And I'm not, I'm not being hard on our teenagers by saying that. But the reality is we, do not, what we, we don't live in an attitude of gratitude type of nation today. We live in an attitude of entitled. An entitlement says, I deserve this because. An attitude of gratitude says, I'm thankful because uh, no matter what, God is good. Right? And, 
And there's, there's some things that, that we can be reminded of in the big picture of our lives where we, where we really should have a gratitude, an attitude of gratitude towards the Lord. When, when you see people that are suffering overseas, like we had a representative from Convoy of Hope a couple of weeks ago. Nick's going to talk in a couple weeks about some of the things that we support all across the world. He's going to give a great missions message. I'm really excited about it. And we're going to have some things about Guatemala. Our church has invested a lot in orphanages and churches in Guatemala, and God's done some, done some great things uh, because of your sacrificial giving. And why do we do that? Well, if you go, and this is why, man, the, the hardest thing for me about COVID, me personally, is we haven't been able to take a missions trip in almost three years. And our church was taking two, sometimes three a year, and we can't wait till we get back to that again because there's something about taking people to a foreign country, especially a third world country, and just put it, just thrusting them right in the middle of a bunch of kids and seeing how they respond. It's just amazing to see that happen and, and to see what God does in people's lives when they understand, wow, you know, we give, we give kids shoes and we wash their feet and we, we de-lice their hair and we do all these different things and you walk away from that and you go, man, I am so stinking spoiled. God is so good to me. I tell my wife every once in a while, you know, I think all of us sometimes have to guard ourselves about complaining. Does anybody else in here have to guard yourself about complaining once in a while? I sure do. I told my wife a couple weeks ago, you have full permission next time you hear me complain about anything to slap me across the face and tell me you ought to be more grateful to God. She goes, oh, I can't wait till that happens, right? right? So I'm really being careful now because she's wanted to do this for the past 36 years, you know? But... Here, here's the truth of the matter, an attitude of gratitude towards the Lord. I'm just going to give you a couple things to think about today, and, and I hope this is an encouragement to you. An attitude of gratitude towards the Lord causes us or forces us to tell people of God's wonderful work. This, ten people, they, were all, they all had leprosy, and they were all together because lepers could only be with lepers. They couldn't be with their family members. It was really a community group, believe it or not. And that sounds really weird. But they were a community group of people that were sick that couldn't go around other people because this disease was so catchy. I mean, you get around anybody that had leprosy, you could get leprosy. So they were ostracized from their community, not because of hatred, but because of law, because of biblical law. You can read that in the Old Testament. So these guys were all that they had. So they were kind of in a little holy huddle, and they saw Jesus. And the Bible says, from afar off, Jesus, have mercy on us. We need healing. We need healing. And Jesus said, and he blessed them for just believing, right? And that part of the story is just great in and of itself. Yes, you guys, go see the priest. It's all good in the hood. They go start to walk away, and they're like, oh, my gosh. Now, leprosy was an awful disease. You could lose limbs, fingers. You could, your skin was awful. You, there, were, there was a smell of of. of rancidness that came from their bodies uh, because their skin was literally and their body was literally dying and rotting away. It was smelled awful. They would have wrapped up and try to cover this stuff up. And Jesus said, you're here. So they're going away to get cleansed, right? Because they, they needed new clothes. They needed to take a bath because they were stinky and everything. And as they're walking away, 10 people that got healed, one person goes, something inside, maybe it's from his mom or dad. What do you say? You know the catechism we say to our kids? Did you ever see your kids mess up that catechism? You know? Um, here's an example. When your kids do something wrong, hey, you smacked your brother in the head, what do you say? Sorry. 
you know. Or you give them some candy. That's what grandparents do. Give them some candy. What do you say? Thank you. And it's funny to hear kids mess it up sometimes. You know, I said to uh, Rosie, our three-year-old granddaughter, she, she's a little, the little bully of our family. And she took a swing at, at Tori one day, her four-year-old uh, cousin. I said, Rosie, what do you say? She said, thank you. And so she, she, <laughs> she kind of got her, you know, she kind of got her kid catechism messed up. But there was something in this guy. Maybe he was brought up really good by sharp parents. And leprosy was not a respecter of people. Leprosy just didn't happen to poor people. Leprosy, leprosy happened to the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor, just like we've seen with, with, the, you know, with what happened in our world the past few years. And, but there was something in this guy where he, he had an attitude of gratitude even before he had leprosy. And something inside of him said, wait a minute, I'm whole. I need to go back and say thank you. You know, so he turned around and he was by himself. And it's interesting how you hear this number tithe and, and this, this is not relevant to, 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 you know, to the giving idea, but it, it's interesting how only 10%, which is the same number what a tithe is, but only 10% of the group that was together understood that they need to come back and say thank you to Jesus. And he said, hey man, I, I, I have life again. I have life again. You changed my whole life. Like, I, I could go back home. I can go see my family. I can hug my wife. I can kiss my kids. Or I can go see my grandkids. Or I can get a job again. I can be a productive member of society because of what you've done in my life. Thank you, you know? But the other dudes were like, hey, we're healed. Let's go see the priest. We can go home, you know, and get a grub or go do whatever. But one person said that I need to go back and, and, and thank the Lord. And that's this attitude of gratitude we're talking about today. When you are really thankful what God has done in your life, you tell people about what God's done in your life. Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore, by him, let us, how often? Just on Sunday? No. How often are we supposed to do it? Continually. Offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Do you know when we sing songs to the Lord? And, and, and I, I know singing's a little bit different for a lot of people, singing in church. I, I know there are people that love, 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 love singing. They just, man, they wish. I've had people say this to me all the time, and it's, it's a contrast. Um, man, I wish we would do like 10 songs in church every Sunday morning. I'm like, 10 songs? We would never make it home for the football game. What are we doing with that? 10 songs. And then I'm thinking, man, that's standing a long time. I don't know if I have the stamina to stand that long and sing, you know? And we, we would talk about that in church joke about it. But then there's other people like, man, I want to cut. You know what? I'd be happy if we came to church, we walked in the door, and you just spoke for an hour. No, that's never happened. That's not true. One of these days, somebody's going to say that to me, but that's never happened. But I have had people say that Hey, can, can we just come in and do one song, get right to the message, and then, and then church is done, right? And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's what you choose to do. There are people that listen. To, let, let's take a little survey. How many of you listen in your car to talk radio? Raise your hand up in the air. My hand's up. I like to talk radio. You know what my wife listens to? The comedy channel. She loves, what's the dude name with the cutoff flannel shirt? Get her done. What's that guy's name again? Larry the Cable Guy. Him and the other guy that he's real good, and, they, and, and, and Kim says, yeah, but they're both Christians, so I guess that's okay, whatever. But she loves, she listens to that comedy channel. Every, every time I get in her car and I, I change the radio station. 
Well, here, let me ask you this question. How many of you, okay, a lot of people listen to talk, how many of you listen to praise and worship music when you're driving or Christian music? Man, we've got a lot of good Christians in here, man. Good for you, and that's awesome. You could get your worship on when you're driving. You could get your worship on when you're walking or running or exercising, and I applaud you for that. And you know what happens when, and you know what's so wonderful about that? When we do that, and our hearts and our minds, listen now, and our words are focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that is? That's called an offering of praise. Because we're not singing it to ourselves, right? Whenever you want me to. We're not doing that for us to make us feel good, right? We're doing it to the Lord, right? I love that song that Kelsey sang, that last song. What, m- making room for him in our lives. I, I, I'm, I'm such a literal person. I'm just thinking... How inviting is that when you walk into a room of a group of people you may or may not know, just a bunch of people, and somebody says, hey, come, come sit here next to me. And they move over for you to make room for you. And that's what that song is saying about the, Lord, I need, I'm going to make room for you. I, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you now. I don't just need you on Sunday when I'm, when I'm doing the prayer. I need you on Monday when it's tough, and Tuesday, and hump day, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and, and all. I need you in my life. And when we're saying that to the Lord, and we're singing that to the Lord, that's as tangible as a gift as your offerings are. Did you know that? Because here's the truth. God desires your attention and your heart and your words towards him more than any amount of money you could give to him. God doesn't need your money. He's not up there going, man, I'm a little short this week. God, I need you to hook up a brother this week, man, because things are running tight. He's not worried about that. God already owns everything. But here's the thing that he says to us. I want you to do that for this reason because I want to bless you. And we get the blessing of feeling that we're part of something that's much, much bigger than us. So he wants us to continually praise him with our lips. And I love this in Psalm 105. It says, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of his wondrous works. Listen, When you and I have great things that happen in our lives, what do we do? We need a picture, and we got to throw it on social media. Now, whether you're super hip and you're on Insta, or what's the one where you do the short videos and everybody's doing? Yeah, I'm not a TikToker. I can't even keep up with that stuff. And I'm an old guy. I like Facebook, like all the other old people do in the world. My daughter's told me, Dad, Facebook is so out of style. Well, I'm not going through all this all over again, but I do do Instagram a little bit. And last night we went to a wedding, and if you look at my Instagram, and if you look at Crystal's Instagram, you see me standing, you see me standing next to her husband in this picture that she put together that she likes to renew every year, hoping that God will grow him a little bit or I will shrink. I don't know why you do that. But we put pictures up of the wedding, because what's, what's, wedding's a good news, we saw Ben and Angel, a couple from our church. If you were here on Easter Sunday, Ben gave a great testimony of what God did in his life. And their wedding last night, 
hearing them share their commitments to one another, hearing what God has done in their life, meeting them. It was just a beautiful, beautiful night of what? Good news. We're showing pictures. And by the way, they did have a petting zoo at their wedding last night. For those of you that don't believe me, they really, really did. So anyway, um, when we have good things happen, Kim and I had a new grandson a couple weeks ago. And that little baby boy, we took, why? Because it was good news. Right? Well, what we don't do, right? And this happened to me this week. What we don't do is, I got a, it's even in my back pocket, funny enough. I got a letter from the IRS this week. Aren't they good letters? I'd like to get a letter from the IRS sometime that just says thank you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, thank you. You're paying your taxes. Add a boy. Go get him, Tiger. No, they went back to my taxes in 2020 and said, you know, this wasn't right. You owe us a little bit more money. I didn't take a picture of that and put it on Facebook and say, hey, look what happened to me this week. That's not good news, right? I'm not happy about that. Matter of fact, I rebuked this in the name of Jesus this morning, okay? Mm. I can't even speak to you with that in my pocket today. Put that in the book of Psalms or somewhere. I don't know what I'm going to do with that thing. But that, right, we don't do that. But what we want to do is we want want everybody to see what? Our ESPN top 10 highlights of our life. Oh, wow, you have, man, look how beautiful your wife is. Look how good looking your girlfriend is. Look how sweet your kids are. And that's what's funny about Facebook and instant, instant uh, Instagram too. When, when, when people put pictures up of their kids, and I'm thinking of YouTube too, especially. Like, you guys are beautiful, beautiful kids, right? Still, and they're smiling. I want to put a little caption that says, I would sure like to see what they were doing the next 30 minutes, <laughs> right? Raising holy terror is what they're doing, right, Tim? You know, I mean, that's just what it is, but we don't show that stuff. But here's the thing about an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of entitlement. An attitude of gratitude, even when things are hard, hey, thank you, Lord, that... I have a salary, and I'm able to pay taxes. Sorry. <laughs> right? An attitude of gratitude says, even what I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Thank you for walking me through this terrible time I'm going through. An attitude of gratitude doesn't look out and compare what well, at least, and we have to be careful of this. Well, at least I don't have it as bad as that guy does, right? And we don't say that. But what we do say is, God, you put me here. You, you've done this in my life now. And I want to thank you for that. Because the book of James says this. Everything good that happens in your life, everything good, every good and perfect gift that happens in your life is 100% directly from God. Well, my dad gave that to me. Or this person gave, no, 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 wait a minute. Whatever you get that's good is from God. And that's not just a tangible thing. Somebody walks up to you 
after church saying, gives you a thousand bucks. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And ain't from them, God told them to do it or made it happen so that would happen and gave that person the resources to do that. And yes, you should be thankful to that person, but first and foremost, we ought to be thankful to God. And when God blesses us, what he wants us to do, and this is why he does that, he wants to bless you, just like any of you that have kids or grandkids or people in your life that you love. When you do things to them or for them, you do that because you love them and you want to bless them, right? And what do you want in return? Well, I want you 10 years of, you know, uh, of indentured servant to me. That's not why we do it. We do it because parents love seeing and hearing and grandparents. Parents really, really love it a lot. When one of your grandkids comes up to you and goes, thank you, Pop. What else do you need, sweetheart? It's all there. You know what I'm saying? And, And you all understand that, right? And here's what God's saying. I want to bless you crazy. But when you talk about the blessings in your life, don't make it sound like you deserve it because we don't. We really don't. Make it sound like how good that God is and draw attention to him through it. I can't believe God did this in my life. I can't believe that this happened in my life. Why did it happen? Because of God. And that's what we have to be very careful of uh, in our lives. An attitude of gratitude towards the Lord tells people of God's wonderful work. And here's number two. Causes us to speak our thanksgiving to him directly. Expressing gratitude towards God, you know what it does? It strengthens your faith. Because you know, I think a lot of us, inclusively saying that, I promise you, are very, very guilty of, we're really, really good at taking our petitions to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to take every burden to him. He said, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. He tells us to do that. But man, we spend a lot of time in our prayers asking, don't we? Lord, I need, Lord, they need, Lord, please heal, Lord, please give me understanding, please help my finances, please help my friend, please help, and we need to be praying for one another, I'm not saying, there's nothing, I'm not taking away from the significance of that, God wants us to do that, but here's the point, is there any time for gratefulness and thankfulness, even for the ability to talk to God and ask for him of those things that you're asking of him? Maybe we should spend some time, or maybe just designate one of our prayers during the day to the Lord. And that doesn't mean you go in a closet and, you know, you, you put on spiritual music and you get on your hands and knees and, you know, you just have this, like, really sanctified spiritual moment. And I'm just talking about when you're driving your car down the road and you see somebody that's got a flat tire and somebody's helping them, of course. Maybe, maybe God telling you to do it. But you say, Lord, thank you for keeping me safe today. Did you ever drive by an accident and it looked really, really bad and say, Lord, be with that family and thank you for keeping me safe today? That's an attitude of gratitude. And God has, who, who gave everything so that we could have, listen church, a personal relationship with, he gave us his son. His son died so we can have a relationship with him. He wants you to be personal with him. Thank you for my clothes on my back today. Thank you for the air conditioning was on in my house this morning. Thank you for the warm water that I took a shower with. Thank you for the milk that was in my refrigerator this morning. Thank you for the cream that was in the two different creams, because my wife and I don't drink the same kind of cream in our coffee. She has 
She has cream with a little bit of coffee. I have a lot of coffee with a little bit of cream, and it's two different creams. Thank you for that. And we could just, and you could get really, really, really specific when you realize the goodness of God in your life. Man, God is so good. And you know what an attitude of gratitude does? This is a little freebie that I'm going to throw in there. If you develop an attitude of gratitude in your life, you know what starts to happen? The victim mentality starts to wane away, and you start complaining less. You start complaining less. It causes us to speak our thanks to him. You, you will encourage others to love and to do good. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let's consider one another. I like that. Let's, let's consider what other people are going through. I could tell you this about our church. Not everybody in our church makes the same amount of money per year. Right? You know that. Not everybody in our church has the same health conditions. You know? I'm at that stage of my life where the pillbox got really deep and big. Right? Anybody else like that? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. I'm with you. You know? Uh, and we, we, we look at things. We, but, but here's what God wants us to do when we're considering other people. He says this. Let us consider one another, and this is the reason. In order to stir up love and good works, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You know why going to church is so important? Not so you can hear me. It is so you can hear from the Lord, but it's also so you can be an encouragement to other people. I was, telling, I was talking to a group of pastors last week, and I said, you know what I believe about church? I believe that what takes place in the lobby before and after church can be just as significant as what takes place during church. Because you can make a connection that you need. I met a new friend today. And I will always remember your name because you have the same name as my daughter. So I'm never going to forget your name. I might forget the name of your dopey boyfriend, but I'm not going to forget your name because I know your name because my daughter, whose name is Emily as well, I'm sorry to embarrass you, is coming here next week to bring Rudy to Dallas to come visit their grandma for Mother's Day. And I'm super psyched about that, right? Yeah, that's, that was Kim's Mother's Day gift. And I won Mother's Day this year. I'm just telling you that right now. But, but here's the thing. The connections you make with one another, that's gold. That is absolute gold. And that could be the thing that cements you into the body of believers that you need around you for accountability and encouragement. He says, don't forget to take the assembling of yourselves together in, as the manner of somebody. Here's what we need to do. Exhort one another. That means challenge each other to grow. And so much more because that day is approaching when Jesus comes back. Here's the third thing. It causes us to speak. First of all, uh, an attitude of gratitude tells people God's wonderful work, causes us to speak thanksgiving to him. And number three, it helps us foster, you ready for this? A climate of gratitude in our lives and in the lives of other people. Psalm 145, it says this in the first few verses. I will extol you, my God. O king, I'm gonna bless your name forever and ever. Every day, I'm gonna bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall pass, shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Here's, here's something, church, we need to understand. Those of you in church that would say that you're older, like I try to say I am sometimes, we have a responsibility to let the generation that's following us know the goodness of God. I'm responsible to tell my kids about it. I'm responsible to tell my grandkids about it. I'm responsible to tell our teenagers in our church about it. Young married couples, folks in our church that are younger than us, to speak of the good. I have a responsibility to do that. We are responsible so that the next generation understands the goodness of God. Here's number four. Your tangible gratitude towards the Lord is demonstrated through your generosity to his work. 
That's the significance of giving. It's understanding that we have a tangible way, you ready church, to thank God for his goodness in our lives. It's kind of like getting a thank you card when somebody blesses you, right? I have my grandkids in my office say, and it had nothing to do with the message, but they're, they're right, they're, every piece of paper from my printer, they're writing them. It was a disaster. All the pillows from my couch are on the floor because we were gonna play the lava game, right? You don't step on lava, or I don't know what it's called. What is it called? Yeah, the floor is lava. That's actually a show on Netflix, I think, right? So all the pillows are on the pop. You gotta step on the pillows because if you step on the floor, the floor is lava and you will burn up and you will die right now before church. I'm like, well, I don't wanna die before church. We gotta, you know, so I'm gonna step on the pillows the right way because the floor is lava, right? <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny. But at the end of all that time together with them, I gave, so Logan said, I wanna write, write my mommy a thank you card. I said, for what? You know, because well, I love my mommy. Okay, so here. So I gave her a little card, a little Tammy card, a little blank card, a little envelope. And she's right, okay, Pop, how do you spell hugs? How do you spell kisses? How do you spell this? And how do you spell that? And she wrote this nice little note to her mom, and she stuck it in an envelope. And she gave it to her mom. And it was a really sweet moment. And um, I was thinking about her, her understanding, even gratitude, because I didn't tell her to do it, right? Most of the times we say, when my girls got married and people gave them gifts, I said, hey, don't forget to write thank you cards, right? So basically what I'm saying is, even if you're not thankful, I'm thankful for what people did in, you know, in their lives. Write a thank you card. And it's, it's interesting, if you think about what giving actually is, it's our way of writing a thank you card to God. I mean, just think about that. It's like saying, God, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you want what, 10%? That's nothing. I'm doing more than that. And that's what the Bible talks about in the New Testament. I argue with a good friend of mine. Does God want us to tithe or does God want us to sacrificially give? And that's a great conversation I would love to have with anybody in the room on a private meeting or something. But the thing is, God wants us to be generous. Why? Because he wants us to be grateful. So when we give, this is what we're doing. Dear God, thank you. This is a little. You've done a lot. I can't believe the goodness that you've demonstrated in my life. And listen to what Philippians chapter one says about this. I, th I love this because this is the way I think about our church. It's very hard and very humbling to talk about giving at times because I understand and I want you to know that I understand. It's because of your generosity in a very secular way to say this, that I have a job. I get a paycheck every two weeks, and I, it's, it's humbling. It's very, very humbling. Those who work in our church understand the way that we address that and feel about that, and we talk about it. Hey, man, we got to be whatever it takes, whatever it takes, because people are sacrificing so we can do this. And we know that it comes from the Lord, but we're also grateful towards you uh, for that as well. So when I read the first part of this verse, and sometimes I even put this at the end of my uh, uh, emails to the church and to some of our leaders, I thank God when I remember you. And this is what Paul was saying. You guys blessed me so that I could be here today to write to you about this. And he applauded at the end of the book of Philippians, the church of Philippi. He said, I thank my God for every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for the fellowship of the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very, good thing, of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will be faithful and complete unto the day of Jesus Christ. Just as, just as it is right for me, to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart 
inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me in grace. You know what he was saying? We're in this gig together. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for all of you in the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let me read this last passage, and I'm going to pray. Moreover, brethren, or in conclusion, he says in 2 Corinthians, I want you to know the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And here's why. They were in great trial and affliction, the abundance of their joy. They had deep poverty. They were in a bad, bad time, but they gave tremendously towards God's work. It says there, the riches of their liber, liber, liberality. For I bear witness according to their ability, yes, and this is beautiful, beyond their ability. They were freely willing, imploring with much urgency that we would receive a gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. When we take part in this, we're, we're funding worldwide evangelism. We're funding the local New Testament church so it keeps going. And we're doing that and people are getting saved. And you're part of that. And that's what God says to you and I. I want you to give because I want to bless you. Because I want to see people in the Philippines get saved. I want to see people all over the continent of Africa get saved. I want to see people that are going through horrible, horrible times in Europe get saved. And I want my name to be proclaimed. And I want you to be thankful. And you can prove you're thankful by your sincerity and your generosity. And if you have an attitude of gratitude in your life and you realize God's goodness, giving is a no-brainer. So here's what I want to say to Warehouse Church about this. You ready? Right before we pray. Notes are closed. Thank you for your faithfulness. I cannot get over what God's done in our church. And so many of you are so faithful. And I appreciate that, not for my sake, but for what we all get to do together. And I, when, I, when we ask you to, to be a part of this, it's not so that the pastor can get a raise or we can do this. Or, no, no we don't, that's not what we do. We want to do it so we, we can put more people in this building. So we have more kids over there, more teenagers over here, more missionaries that we support. And you're going to hear from some of our missionaries over the next couple of weeks. So we can do more so that we could say, God, God, we were gracious. And, and thank you for letting us be a part of your ministry. So I want to say thank you. And I pray that God speaks to your heart about your generosity and your attitude of gratitude this week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. We can't thank you enough. I personally, Lord, I know I'm saying a corporate prayer, but I can't thank you enough for your goodness in my life. And even when things are hard, when we've suffered with illnesses and surgeries and scares and loss of life in our family, Lord, we could still reflect on the goodness of God in our lives. Help us never to be stingy when it comes to giving you honor and praise. Help us never to be stingy, me personally, first and foremost, Lord, when it comes to my gifts and my offerings. Help us never to withhold because we're worried on whether or not we're gonna, that you're gonna acknowledge that. And I think sometimes, Lord, we feel about offering the same way we feel about putting money in a tip jar when nobody's looking. Like if I put money in a tip jar, Lord, when nobody's looking, does it even count? But here's the thing. You see it, but more importantly, you see our heart. And whether we lack in our thanksgiving to one another, forgive us, Lord. But we know that you keep track of everything. 
And you promised us in the book of Proverbs you would never be a debtor to us. So I thank you for keeping your promises. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your incredible, undescribable generosity generated towards us. Help us to be a gracious and generous people because of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. And everybody in agreement said with me this morning. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Nick's gonna come up.